today about um, having encounters with God and going deeper. And um, I want to explain today why there's oftentimes a resistance for people going deep in God, for people having an encounters. And there are some people that don't live in the practical realm. How many met somebody, people that don't live in the practical realm, right? They def, they're just always in super spirituality, in which we love super spirituality, but we recognize there's also a balance to be practical. Like if, if a guy, um, guy feel led by the Lord to fly uh, uh, my commercial air, airliner, uh, and he can pray in tongues, but he, he has no training, um, I don't want him flying my plane. I don't care how much he believes God told him he's going to fly that plane. I'm like, get some training, and uh, then pray in tongues as you're flying is good, but let's not forget the practical side. And I think one of the reasons that, you know, as a pastor of a charismatic church, we have any charismatics here? All right, come on. Any, anybody like spiritual encounters, get visited by angels, travel in the spirit? Um, I mean, there's, there's some cool things that are out there, dreams and visions. Uh, I mean, and it's all in the Bible. I mean, Paul was visited by an angel. So if we have someone that comes in and say, hey, I was visited by an angel, we'll be like, yeah, it's in the Bible. It's cool. Somebody has a dream and interprets their dream, and they live by what the interpretation of the dream, you know. The, the, most of the world will say, you guys are a little crazy. Well, we already believe that some Jewish guy rose from the dead 2,000 years ago in a place called Israel. That's already nuts if you think about it. You might as well just believe the whole thing. All right, you guys got a little quiet there. I'm sorry. All right, you guys believe that, right? I mean, and the world thinks we're crazy. You guys are gathering together every Sunday to worship some dead guy that raised, you believe raised from the dead in Jerusalem. Yeah, I do. I believe it. It's happened. And so the world resists that. But then there are some times where we need to um, understand we have to be very practical as well. So there's, that's why our, our motto here is to be full of heaven. Everybody say full of heaven. And down to earth. So if someone doesn't understand my Christianese, I'm not going to talk like Christianese. If someone, uh, you know, if I'm speaking in tongues and somebody's like, what are you doing? I'm not, you see, 1 Corinthians 14 says, if you speak in tongues, people will say you're out of your mind. Not a great reputation to have. Okay, do I speak in tongues? Yes. Do I speak in tongues in church? Absolutely. I think it's 100% biblical. But if somebody next to me is like, thinking I'm having a drug overdose or something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn that it's not necessary for me to always speak in tongues. I might, like, explain to them what's happening, help them in the practical realm and not always be so full of heaven that I don't connect with the other people that are around us. You understand? So it's important that we recognize that. They say if you prophesy, though, that they'll say God's among you. That's a good testimony. I mean, I want people to say, like, man, God is among those people out of Gateway, I don't know what they're doing, but man, every time I get around them, I feel God, God speaks to me. And man, what, a, what an honor to have Jesus come into our midst. But I, I have about a little over 10 verses to go over today. And it's, it's from a story found in the book of Genesis uh, 28. And it talks about a man named Jacob. And Jacob was, he, he had family troubles. And I know no one else here has family troubles, but just, um, you know, he had some family stuff going on, amen? And so what he was doing at this point in the story is he was running from his brother who wanted to kill him and his father who he just betrayed and his mother who was kind of a manipulator. And so he, he was running away 
and he had, he had no idea of where he was going. He was going to the Padam Aram. It's, he was going to a whole different place in hopes of finding a bride, but there was nothing secure. Like he was going into a new place, a new time, a new season, and he had no idea whether or not for sure things are going to work out. He had no guarantee that, that everything was going to work out. And so he was between this place of like family anxiety and trouble. Everything was going wrong, and he had to get sent away because his brother was uh, you know, nursing a grudge that he wanted to kill him. I mean, no, that's not a good, good day right there. And, and he was going to a place where he had never been before. And I feel like we as a church, we're kind of in that place right now. There's chaos. There's distraction. There's relationship. There's things that have gone wrong in our life. There's, there's things that didn't work out that we thought would work out. And some of us are like, well, do I continue on? Like Deb was saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But so is faith. So am I crazy or am I in faith? I don't know. And that's where I feel like many of us feel like we are just like Jacob. He was on this place. He was on this journey. And Genesis 28, 12 says, he dreamed and behold. Everybody say behold. I just love that word, behold. A stairway set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And behold, everybody say behold. The angels of God ascending and descending on it. My friend, this was a dream that Jacob was having in the midst of his chaos. He had an encounter with God. And I'm here to tell you today that as a church, we need to be a people of encounters. We cannot steal from the society around us, from the world around us, ability for them to enter into that same encounter that we had. The Bible tells about different times where prophets and singers would be traveling and this ungodly person would get in their midst and they would have an encounter. How many know that God wants to bring the world around us into an encounter? And where is the problem? I love it what it says here in Genesis 28, 6. Jacob awakened out of this awesome dream, out of his sleep, and he said, surely Yahweh is in this place and I did not know it. The Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Father, I thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for as, as we hear your word, it changes us. It transforms us. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, people aren't here to hear me, but to hear you. So speak through me today for your glory in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen this morning. So Jacob, he awoke, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. You see, friend, we have to see in this time, in this place of transition, that prophetically, my wife is sharing with you, in this place of transition, the Lord is here. And we don't want to miss it. And what he's telling us right now is to persevere and to continue on. And don't lose hope. Don't lose courage. Stay faithful to what God has called you to do because he's bringing us out of this place of transition into this place of destiny. And these are the dreams and encounters that he wants to give his people today. And how much more that the blood of Jesus has been shed for us that we should have the same privilege that Jacob had of having a dream that changed his life, that revolutionized, revolutionized who he was. See, the name Jacob means heel grabber. He was one that was always trying to get his own way. 
even from the very time as he was coming out of his mother's womb, he was, he was struggling and trying to get out of the womb first. How many know, like, nine minutes older than my brother, you know what I mean? But he was grabbing Esau's heel like, no, me first. And that's what they named him when he came out, heel grabber. And that continued on in his life is he was always grabbing as, as his own flesh, his own strength to try to overcome. But how many know we're entering into a season where we're not going to be the heel grabbler, grabbers, grabblers, or gra whatever. We're going to be, Jacob got his name changed to one who struggles with God. See, we're, we're going, we're, we're not struggling with man anymore. We're struggling with the one who made us. How many know that's God's invitation? Yeah, come on. You have some issues, some problems in your life? Come on. Bring it on. Let's wrestle. Like you, God's inviting you to wrestle with him. Isn't that beautiful? He's saying, come on. You got, because you think Christianity is nice and pretty all the time? It's not. Your pastor wonders sometimes, like, am I insane? Lord, is this you? And we are struggling with the Lord, like, because there's things going on that, like, Lord, this shouldn't happen. How many know your pastor went to the, the pro-choice march on Monday? We had eight people that went there. Got in the Washington Post, all right, as, as someone who's standing up for the right to life of the unborn. And I had a little sign that said, BLM, Babies' Lives Matter. It was, had a lot of good conversation with people. But it's about making a stand for truth. And I'm going, God, are we in the right place? Because we're outnumbered 50 to 1. We went on the wrong day, I guess. We were supposed to go on Tuesday when all the pro-lifers were there. Instead, we went up, showed up the wrong day. And, uh, you know, we, we, we got greeted with the, the, uh, the single finger hello, you know, a lot and, and whatnot. But for us, it was like, okay, God, you have us here for this time and for this purpose because we know that we need to stand for those who don't have a voice. We need to be a place of resistance. And it doesn't make sense. And we wonder, like, what are we doing? Are we in the right place? But I'm here to tell you today that we need to begin to encourage and to expect people to have encounters with God. But we have to have an encounter with God ourselves. And I will not back down from pressing in to an encounter with God. There's going to be strange things that happen. There's going to be demons that are manifesting, and you're going to go, is that something medical that's going on? Or is that a demon? And I'm not sure sometimes. But I go after it like it's a demon because it's happening in church out of the blue. And things happen in church when the Lord shows up. How many know when the Lord walked in the places, demons started manifesting? So we have to be ready for what God is going to begin to do. We have to train ourselves, not the way the church model is, but what the Bible tells how we should live our lives and how we should look for things. The first thing I want to, uh, you to fill in today is I want you to be encouraging for encounters. Like, be ready for an encounter. Like, God, I don't want to stay in my mind. How many know that most of the church will allow God to do something if it's reasonable? Oh, come on. If the Lord will enter through the door of reason, then we accept you, Lord. But how many have found that the Lord doesn't like to go through that door of reason oftentimes? Like he'll say, 
Chris, I want you to go to Africa. And I'll say, well, let me check with the Lord. And I'll pull out my wallet and I'll look. The Lord says no. You can say amen or ouch, right? I'm like, I can't do that. I, I, somebody showed me that one time. I'm like, I'm, I'm listening to my wallet whether or not I do what God says. God is not in my wallet. He sits on the throne in heaven. I have to be obedient to the Lord. But we want the Lord to go through the door of reason. Like, Lord, can you please go through the door of reason this time, please? Because my wife thinks I'm crazy. Or, you know. He's not going to go through that door. And we have to accept that, that the Lord wants to do something supernatural, but he invites us into that process. But we have to be willing to know and understand, like, this is God speaking. Like, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. God is in your life right now. He is in your life right now, in this time of transition, in the hell that you're going through, in the confusion that you're going through. God's right there, and you don't even know it. And that's what Jacob woke up like, I didn't even know he was here. But what did he see? And I think this is such a beautiful story when we, when we, we read this. And I want to read just kind of the intro. Genesis 28 says, Jacob went out of Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place. And he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And this is prior to him getting this dream. I still don't understand why he would grab a rock and make it his pillow. I don't know. What kind of rock is that? I mean, and, uh, it, it's kind of crazy. But this is what he does. And then he had this dream. And what did he say? He said it was a stairway set upon the earth. Now, in the actual Hebrew, it says a ladder. It is... It, it is a stairway or a ladder is a gateway that goes upward. And that's what we need to see, that you and I, we, are, we can bring people into a heavenly counter. We are like a gate for people. That when they get into our midst, heaven opens up and we get to ascend and descend for them. Because heaven is not a destination. It's a resource. It's not a place that we're hoping to go one day, sort of. It's more of a resource that is in the now that we pull from to earth. We pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is a resource that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ can pull from. I thought I was just trying to get to heaven, Pastor. Yeah. No, we're trying to bring heaven here. And this is what the picture that Jacob's giving. He sees this picture. He sees this gate opened up, but it's a, it's a stairway or it's a, a ladder. And notice that it says this, and this is something that is very important. It says that its top reached heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, I'm going to mess with your theology a little bit, but... When we think of the word angel, what do we think of? We think of wings and um, tall and flying around and singing glory to God, hallelujah. What's good? That's, a, that's one picture of the Hebrew word angel or malach. And it's, everybody say malach. You got to get the at the end. You cannot whisper Hebrew. I don't know why, but, you know. 
But the picture is, is the word angel there is the Hebrew word malach, which means a messenger. And all it means is someone who has a message from God. That's the broad term of the word angel. So if we were to translate this, it said that Jacob saw messengers of God ascending and descending. Now, can I tell you, just from the direction that they're going, my thought would be they would be descending and ascending if they were angels coming from heaven. But because they're ascending, that means they started from earth, went to heaven, and descended after that, bringing back down what they received from heaven. Could be angels, because there is angelic activity going on. Sometimes you may feel something. Have you ever felt a presence? Everybody's like, oh, is that the Holy Spirit? Sometimes it's an angel. Sometimes you're actually feeling an angel. So this is kind of wacky, Chris. It's biblical. You believe the same Bible I believe? I believe it. There's angels, and we feel angels. We need to recognize that there's angels that are showing up, and we're, we're not realizing it. It's because there's encounters that we need as a church, that your pastor will encourage you to get into an encounter. When you read your Bible every day, you're entering into an encounter with Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. And expect those encounters. Take a moment and just say, Lord, what do you want to do today? When you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you feel the presence of God or God's presence, just kind of lean into it. Don't discredit it. I'm like, ooh, that feels good. What are you doing, Lord? What are you doing? Ask him. Continually to seek him. So Jacob said he got, he got this dream and the angels were ascending and descending. And Jesus himself refers to this story. He says this, Most certainly I tell you, hereafter you will see heaven opened, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now most people believe that the Son of Man is Jesus' earthly title. And the Son of God is His heavenly title. It's actually backwards. The Son of Man is His heavenly title. This is the title that, that you can read about in Daniel chapter 7. And the Son of God is actually His earthly title. Doesn't that sound backwards? I encourage you to go ahead and read Luke, uh, the book of Luke and the genealogies. It goes all the way back to Adam, and it says, the son of Adam, the son of God. Adam is called a son of God. Read it in your own Bible. So that's, his, that's Jesus identifying more of an earthly term, but the son of man is a heavenly title, and we realize that the work of angels is based on that they descend and descend, ascend and descend on Jesus himself. That's awesome. And you and I can bring an encounter because this encounter, these angels are coming upon the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus Christ is Lord. How many believe that today? And His authority has power to cast out demons. You know that. Spirits submit to you. Did you know that? In the name of Jesus. So when you're dealing with anxiety, dealing with sickness, whatever you're dealing with, in the name of Jesus, speak. And watch and see what happens. You and I are created in the image of God. God spoke and things happened. Just like, just like God spoke and stuff happened, you and I are created in His image. And our words create the world around us. 
We go on and read. Yahweh says, and the Lord says, um, it says, I am Yahweh, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land where you lie. To you I will give it into your offspring. So Jacob here in this time of transition, he's receiving promises of God because he's, he's anxious. And God is speaking to him and saying, I'm going give, to give you the land where you lay. I'm going to give it to you and to your offspring. And he goes on to say in the next verse, Behold, I'm with you, and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. Now, can I tell you that Jacob was a rascal? Because many people think, well, I, God wouldn't do that for me because, you know, I'm kind of a rascal. Jacob was a rascal. He was a trickster. He was trying to get his own way. He was taken from his brother. He was, he was a trickster. Come on, anybody can identify with Jacob the rascal this morning? Because we're all trying to talk ourselves out of it. No, God blessed Jacob. And he told him that he wanted to give him these these. Uh, he wanted to give him these things, and I'll explain that to you in a second. But Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and I didn't know it. What has to happen now for us to enter into that place of encounter is we have to become aware. We have to come into an awareness that God is among us. And this is, have you ever, I always hear this story, but someone buys a certain model of car. Let's say you, you have this yellow punch bug you always wanted all your life. And you finally commit to it. You buy it. And then what happens is everywhere you go, you see that car. Where you never saw it before. Like, man, I've never seen it. But I believe it's a spiritual principle that whatever you commit to and place value upon, you notice. So if I, as your pastor, am encouraging you right now to put a value on encountering God, you'll begin to notice God a lot more. You'll begin to see him in places you haven't seen him before. Even in the place of turmoil and anxiety you might be in today, you're going to look for him. And this is what I think happened to Jacob. Like Jacob, we often become unaware of the presence of God in our midst because of our anxiety from our past and the fear of our future. Then Jacob says in verse 17, he was afraid. And he said, how dreadful this place is. This is none other than God's house, and this is the gate of heaven. And this is what I believe needs to happen in the church, is that you and I get into the fear of the Lord. Embrace the fear of the Lord. How many grateful your pastor wants you to fear God? And understand, what does it mean to fear God? When you fear the Lord, you're not afraid of people. When you fear the Lord, you're not afraid of anything. Because you know what it means to fear God. And if the church gets the fear of the Lord, we're going to be able to change our community because then we're fearless. Because the fear of God crushes every other fear. Well, what if my boss rejects me? I don't care. I want to know what God thinks. What if you get killed or somebody throws something at you or somebody rejects you or calls you a fool or an idiot? I don't care because I fear God. And the fear of man will prove to be a snare. I'm free. I'm not worried about what people think anymore. And it's so cool. What does that? The fear of the Lord. And this is what Jacob had. He had an encounter with God. Imagine if everyone who walked through these doors came into an encounter with God. And then they were. But I feel as a pastor that if we don't, as a church, go after the encounters. 
go after the supernatural. They will never have an encounter. And then they will not be infused with the fear of the Lord. So this is what my hope is. Because I've seen some things that were amazing. Jesus appeared to 500 people in his resurrected body. How many of that was a good testimony for the community right there? Because it was something supernatural. And that's what you and I, we, we need to be seeking after. When Brian Simmons walk comes into places because of his relationship with the Lord. And I know that for some of you, that may sound kind of weird. But can I tell you that when you pursue something, it follows you. Like he is pursuing God, pursuing a place in God. And that when he shows up, supernatural things begin to happen. But it's an invitation for all of us to have that same kind of relationship. You understand what I'm trying to say? People say, well, Brian Simmons, he's the author of the Passion Translation. But many people don't know, 50 years ago, he gave his life, and they, him and his wife and his family went on to the mission field. He gave his life for nine years to translate the New Testament to a people who had never heard the gospel before. While he was there, he almost went crazy because no one was coming to Christ, and it was so frustrating, so challenging. One of his children got bit by a snake and almost died. You understand, this is nine years. And finally, they translated the entire New Testament for this group of people. They brought in some, some, uh, some of his best friend and his friend's wife and, and two other wonderful couples went down to take over the work. And within just a few months after he left, the men of that uh, mission group were uh, taken over by a drug cartel, ripped out of that community and shot, killed, and murdered on the mission field. So when this man comes in, he's paid a price. He was deeply grieved and hurt and wounded by what had happened. Like, remember we talked about struggling with God. That's, a, that's, a, that's an answer that we're like, well, what happened here, God? I thought I was following you. Where was the, what was happening? What was going on? And I think it was a number of years. And finally, I think he went up to Toronto and had an encounter with God there where he actually went to heaven and he saw his uh, friends who were martyred in heaven. And he, they said, thank you, Brian. You did the right thing. Like honoring him. And blessing him. You understand, it's so important that we be a people of encounters. Because our problems aren't solved by reason. They aren't. They're solved by supernatural occurrences that happen. And if, and if we dial down the supernatural because we're going to offend Joe Unbeliever, not here, not now, not never. I don't know if that's proper English. Because it's so necessary. And it's biblical. And if you're a person of the Bible, you'll understand. They were led by dreams. They were motivated by those very things. You know, many of us, you know, we, we do a, a ministry work a lot with our, our drug rehabs in town at the, the Hope House and Crossroads Recover. We were doing a, uh, a seminar a number of weeks ago, a number of months, two months ago or something. And, um, we, you know, we're dealing with a lot of hurting women that were, uh, you know, have been through terrible things. Usually that's why we, we go to drugs. I believe drugs, the root of it is in pain that's undealt with pain. And so we try to provide an atmosphere where people will say, I want to let go of this pain. So we're, we're having this seminar. We watch about a 45-minute video. We break up about six of us, eight of us in this room. And this one gal was in the room, and I'm in there, and we're, we're like, okay, well, what's God showing you? What's the Lord doing? And the next thing you know, this, this young lady, 
she goes into a vision. And we're, I'm not encouraging her. I'm not telling her. I'm like, what's the Lord doing? And she had lost a baby. She had lost uh, a child. I, I, I can't remember the full story, but the child was maybe a year old. And it was something tragic that happened. And because of that loss of that child and her blaming herself, she became an addict. And when she went into this vision, she saw Jesus holding her, her baby. And as, as she's looking at Jesus, and she's, I'm like, what's happening? And she says, and Jesus is holding my baby, and, and she's fine. She's fine. She's older now. And, oh, my gosh, she's, he, Jesus is giving me the baby now. And she's in this vision, like, holding the baby. And she's just weeping. And this baby's talking to her. It's like, Mommy, I'm proud of you. It's going to be okay. Now, nothing I could offer her could heal her. But that encounter with the Lord brought her tremendous healing. And it was so amazing because this is what the Lord wants us to do, is to help facilitate others to help them have those encounters. You see, Jacob saw the gateway to heaven, the stairway to heaven. I hate even saying that word, but anyway. Uh, yeah, it was a stairway to heaven. That's what it was. And um, I love how he says, because Jacob says, this is the house of God, and this is the gateway to heaven. This is the house of God. Like he woke up and said, this is the house of God. Bethel is what he would say in the Hebrew. And this is the gateway to heaven. It's such a beautiful picture of, of the father and the son. You have Yahweh, who is his house, God's house. He felt God's presence. But Jesus himself identified as the gate or the door to heaven. Did you know that? So you, we find that both Jesus, the father and the son, are like in this vision together that, that, that Jacob sees. And he, he's, he's in awe. He has the fear of God. And he said, this is none other than God's house. But this is what happened is he, he encountered an awakening. The next thing I want you to fill in is to awaken awareness. And I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to land this thing soon, okay? I'm going to, I'm getting ready to land it here soon, okay? Got one more point, though. So we see that Jacob, after this dream, Jacob rose up early in the morning. He took the stone that he put under his head and he set it up for a pillar, and he poured oil on its top. How many know that when we have an encounter with God, we want to do something that, is, that we remember that encounter? Like we don't want to forget that moment. And I've encouraged people to just take a time and think, think about the time you were closest with God. I want you guys just to think about that. Think about a moment. Just close your eyes for a second. Think about that moment that you were closest with God where you had an encounter with him. And just go there. Remember that. And just feel that. Remember that moment. And when you feel that and go back into that memory, I love how the, the human brain works. It stores even the feeling you had in that memory. And this is what I would encourage you to do at different times. Go back into those times where you were closest to the Lord and dig up those wells. There was a, a friend of mine, he had a, he had a 
a worship team or a band that traveled all over, toured with the newsboys, and they were called the Trail of Altars. And our life should be a trail of altars that we're, every time we have an encounter with God, we build an altar. And then we have live life long, and then we have another encounter. We build another altar and another altar to remember that encounter. Come on, how many have had some encounters before? Woo! And, he, and I love it. He says, he set it up as a pillar. This stone he used for a pillow, pillow it was, now it's set up as a pillar. And a pillar represents something that's established in your life. Because these encounters that you have with God, they are gifts from the Lord. You understand? It's a gift from God when you have an encounter. Some people think, well, I was a good person and that's why God gave me a counter. Jacob was a rascal and he got an encounter. So that qualifies most of us. Amen? Like, I'm going to expect an encounter. And then when I get it, I'm not going to say, well, look what I get to get that encounter. No, probably not. It's what the Lord wants to do through you in that encounter. But it has to cause an awakening in you. And then it says that he called the name of that place Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. Now, Bethel is the Hebrew word. Bet means house or dwelling place. And El means God. So it means a dwelling place of God. You, this is what he said. I found the dwelling place of God. This is what we should all be seeking every day is a place where we can encounter the dwelling presence of God. That's what we're going after. But he said this. He, he, he says, but the name of the city used to be Luz. And Luz means almond tree. Now, the cool thing about almonds, anybody like almonds, all right? Almond butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, come on. Almond butter is just not the same. And then you got to, like, stir it up. You ever did, like, the oils on the top, and, you, like, you try to stir it, and the oil goes all over? I'm just, sorry, I'm in a, in a moment here. But almonds in Hebrew mean the awakening one. You see, God wants to awaken us. The encounter should awaken us from a slumber. And some people, you're like, how can you not feel God or see God? Because they're spiritually sleeping. And how does that happen? God causes the awakening. We just live awakened. Not woke, but awakened. All right? We have to be awakened. I'm not worried about people sleeping. I'm concerned about me being awake. If I'm awake, I don't care about, it's not that I don't care about you, but you know what I'm saying. I'm going to do my part. Right now is the season where we live an awakened life and watch what will happen. Come on, anybody morning people here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many people not morning people? <laughs> okay. How many not morning people don't really like those morning people sometimes, right? <laughs> All right. I think, I think Benny Hinn wrote, good morning, Holy Spirit. Most of you guys need good afternoon, Holy Spirit, right? All right. So when we, when we talk about it, but there's an awakening now, why does the almond represent an awakening? Because the almond tree was the first to awaken after winter. It was the first tree to come alive. It was the first tree to spring to life. And this is what happens when we have an encounter. How many know we need to be people of encounters? We need to be people not of, you know, I love education, but friend, I'd throw it away in a second for an encounter. In a second. I've sometimes explained to people, you know, at the, at the pro-life, or no, it was a pro-choice march we ended up at. Anyway, I had so many people, like, you probably never even read the Bible before. And I'm going, okay, how do I, how do I respond to this one? Because a lot of people were trying to explain to me, no, the, no, the I'm Jewish, and the Old Testament says that 
we should have the right to kill our babies. And I said, I said, you know, Deuteronomy chapter 23 talks about two men that are fighting, and if they accidentally hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth, what the Bible says is whatever happens to that child should be happened to the man that caused the injury. And remember the saying, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? Remember when Jesus said that? He was referring to this story, that the Lord himself values the life of that child in the same womb, the eye of that child, the ear, everything in the same value as the person outside of the womb. Same value. So it's important we understand the Word of God. And this is the other thing. It's just a clump of cells. Okay, so are you, right? So I mean, I could kill you because you're a clump of cells. I'm a clump of cells made in the image of God. Hear me. But when people say you're a clump of we're all just a clump of cells. Hello. But then God breathed his life into us, and we're created in the image of God. And then I, I have to talk about stuff that's happened in our community, obviously, because, you know, right now we have uh, Indiana's becoming an abortion mill. Ohio and Kentucky are sending people into Indiana. This should not be. So people will bring up the issue of the 10-year-old girl that was raped, right? We've all heard. Come on. Everybody has heard that probably a hundred times. What about this 10-year-old girl that was raped? And I, my, my response is this. You can respond how you want to. But I say we should have the death penalty for rapists. That's what we should have. Because, because someone does something evil, should an innocent child in the womb be punished for the sins of his or her father? And what we're saying is that because you were conceived in rape, Therefore, you have no value. Your life can be taken. We have to value all life. And people say, you mean no exceptions? I mean no exceptions. And you can say, well, what about if the mother's life is in danger? Can I talk to you today? Just straight up. This is what I'm telling people, and this is what I'll tell you. You don't have to agree with me, but I'll tell you what, just so you understand the arguments behind it. When we talk about abortion and they say the woman's life is in danger, well, it's, is it an abortion or is it a rescue mission? Hear me. It's, it's a rescue mission. But if two of you fell into a hole, I'm not going to go in with the intention of killing one to save the other. I'm going to go with the intention of valuing the life that's in that hole. Hear me. And so I'm going to go in with the intention of saving life, never with the intention of killing one. You hear that's the difference that needs to happen. And right now we're, we're being played in our community. We're being played. If we allow life to become of no value in the womb, then what happens is we come under the wrath of God and God will destroy this nation. If he's not already going to destroy the nation because of the 70 million that are born, but right or wrong, right, wherever we are right now, we have to stand firm that life begins at conception. Now, can I tell you this? If life doesn't begin at conception, then when does it begin? It, there's no other option. Because otherwise it'd be like, well, Three months and four days and 53 seconds. Well, it, well, what about 52 seconds? And when, well, when did it begin? Obviously, because life, it's the potential of life in a womb. Like we have laws right now that protect baby sea turtles. Potential. Fertilized eggs on a beach. And we have laws to protect them. Hear me. Baby eagles. Fertilized eggs in a nest. You touch that and you mess with the eggs, what happens? You go to jail and you get fined, but not 
not baby humans, potential baby humans. So we have to encourage our lawmakers. If you, have the, if you don't have the backbone to stand up for baby humans, but you'll stand up for baby seals, hello, or baby turtles. Sorry, you guys like seals. Uh, but baby turtles, right? So anyway, that's, that's where those are some of the arguments. I had to share them. Interesting about the almond. We talk about the almonds, how there's an awakening. And again, when we stand with God, we can be that ladder in the heaven. When we're established as people who follow the Lord and follow his word, we are a light. And we can bring people into a, an encounter. But if you and I step away from God's word, we're not going to bring anything to the, to the world that we need to bring into. We have to be faithful to God's word. Now, the fascinating thing about the almond is when God said he told Moses to build the tabernacle, there was this thing called the menorah, the, the light of the tabernacle. It was, a, it was a, a, a lamp that they brought in, and this was what provided light in the most holy place. And it was made up of almond buds and almond leaves, and it was, had 66 parts of the almond tree on that light. The fascinating thing is we have 66 books in our Bible. And that is a picture of the light that we have to see and understand. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is our light. He's what causes us to see in the midst of darkness and to shine for the world. But that's the final thing I want to say today is number three. As we awaken awareness, we need to commit clearly. Commit clearly. And this is something that Jacob did. And I'm going to land it. I'm, I'm landing it. It's coming. It's coming. Am I doing all right? Yeah. All right. So um, thank you for that. Um, Jacob vowed a vow. Okay, remember, he just had an encounter. He just built an altar, poured oil on it. He's got the fear of God. He had this dream in the midst of, you know, leaving his family and, and going to a place where he's hopefully going to find a bride. And he's, he's in this place of anxiety and fear. He gets this dream. And what happens? He's. He, he does something. He has an encounter, and he, he makes it memorable. He does something that says, this is a day I need to remember. But then he makes a vow. Everybody say vow. This is what is often lacking in the Christian church in our lives, is we don't commit. We don't commit after our encounter. Come on. Paul himself had an encounter, was knocked off his horse. Then he committed his life to preach the gospel. But we... We get into this place of an encounter. We remember it, and then we commit. And this is exactly what Jacob did in Genesis 28, 20 through 21. He says, Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way, that I go and will give me bread to eat, clothing to put on, so that I may come again to my father's house in peace. And this is the, there's five things here that Jacob asked for. And I don't know if I put those down for you. But number one, he said, God, if you'll give me your presence. Come on, how many want God's presence? Right? Like he had that encounter. Lord, don't let this encounter stop. Can I tell you this? It's this, if you don't feel like reading your Bible sometimes, you don't feel like showing up and being around other people, if you don't feel like doing things for the kingdom, it's a demonic attack against your life. I'm going to say that again to this nice Methodist church. Here we go. You understand, when you don't feel like reading your Bible, don't think, oh, I'm a bad person. I need to be better. Good luck on that one. Um, try harder. 
That's not what Jesus is saying. Try harder. It's demonic. I don't feel like praying. It's demonic. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go to church today. I want to be around other believers. It's demonic. Say in Jesus' name, go for me. Get out of me. Get out of my life. You understand? Like, take the ground back. You don't feel like being around other people because probably you've been defiled by something unclean. Jesus cast out unclean spirits. You don't want to be around the Holy Spirit because you feel unclean. Well, you need the blood of Jesus just to cleanse you, and then you need to take authority over that unclean spirit so that you get in your right mind and get to where you need to be. Come on, am I encouraging you today? We have to do the warfare. But Jacob said, just be with me, Lord. And then he said, I want your protection. Keep me. Keep me in this way. I want your provision, God. Provide for me. Give me bread and clothing. That's not a whole lot right there. Uh, providence. Return to my father's house. And I want to accent this one because I think this is key. Is that he knew he was supposed to one day return to his father's house. And that was something in his heart. Like, God, I want to go back someday. I can't go back now. But I know, Lord, if you will just allow me to fulfill my dream. God cares about your dreams. But it's more important that you follow the will of God. And you will receive the promises that he has for you. The problem is, is too many people try to do the promise instead of doing the will of God. Do the will of God and you will receive the promise. So focus on doing the will of God. Be obedient. But it was in Jacob's heart. Lord, I want to one day return to that place. How many got some unfulfilled dreams, right? Unfulfilled things that you want to see happen. That's what I'm contending for. And the last thing is that, number five, he will return in peace. How many know peace is not the absence of conflict? It is the place where you walk into a situation and you diffuse chaos. That's what peace is. Peace is powerful. When you walk in peace, you can walk in the midst of people who hate your guts. As, as was happening on Monday in front of all these pro-choice baby killers. That's all they wanted. And they saw us walking around and they... I was like, hey. And I wasn't trying. I, I would say, like, they'd be like, and I'd be like, hey, my name's Chris. What's your name? Joe? You know? I'd be, I'd be like, hey, you know, I'm glad we're in America. We can talk about differences. I said, so, and again, I'm not trying to stir up anything, but I have peace. So we can bring that. We can bring that wherever we go. I've really taken ground in anxiety. I've really taken ground back from anxiety over the past three years. It's been so cool. Uh, and it's, it's something I've been very intentional at, that I will not allow anxiety in my life. But you, that's a five-year plan, okay? Pray for me today, Pastor. Yeah, it's probably going to take a while. But you understand, it's taking ground. We're, we're all of us are taking a little bit more ground. Okay, I'm going to do a bit. And how do we do that? It's, it's because... We are walking with the Prince of Peace. And then Jacob does something here. So he, he asks for these five things, protection, provision, presence, providence, and peace. Yeah, like it's okay. Like, Lord God, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what God wants to give you because you're just a rascal like Jacob. He wants to give it to you too. Here we go. But what happened is then Jacob says this, and Yahweh will be my God. Then this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, will be God's house, and of all that you will give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. 
Now, this is, you know, we could talk about the tithe, and number one, the tithe itself is just, it's, it was prior to the Mosaic Law. But there's something a lot deeper here than the tithe. Because the, the deeper thing here is he committed. You understand? And I believe you should commit financially. But I, I believe the most important thing is you commit to a process. So many people have goals, but they never reach those goals because they never have a system or, or a process that helps them attain those goals. And so it's important what Jacob did here is he made a clear commitment that this is what he was going to do. See, when you have an encounter, you should do something to memorialize that encounter, but then your, your encounter needs to be attached to a commitment that you make from that point on that affects the way you live on a daily basis. He was like, and everything I make, I'm going to give back a tenth. That means if he made ten bucks on Monday, he gave God a dollar back. That's not how it worked back then, okay? But you understand, it was a, it was a daily commitment. In his daily life, he committed to something. What do you need to commit to today? With that encounter that God gives you, are you going to commit? Because if we don't commit, the per whole purpose of that encounter will be lost. That's what we don't want to lose. Because God wants to partner with us, all of us, to see the work done in the kingdom. How many are grateful that God wants to partner with us? And the way he partners with us is he speaks to you and he tells you, Usually in your quiet time or usually when your time with him every day, he speaks to you and he's telling you to obey. That's your place of commitment. The daily bread, give us this day our daily bread. What does God want you to do every day you wake up? Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to call? What ministry do you want me to get involved in? What's my call? What have you called me to do? And obey the Lord. But get into that place of daily encounter.